You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. On today's show, I want to revisit the GM hiring a couple years ago where the Wilpons chose to bring in Bertie Van Wagenen instead of Heim Bloom. The first half of the show, I will kind of talk about what choice they decided to make there, why they ultimately went with Brody, and then the implications of that I'll get into in the second half, talking about what Brody Van Wagenen has done with the team over the last two seasons. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizeOnline.com. So if you go back to the offseason of 2019, after the 2018 season where Sandy Alderson had to step away from the team mid-year due to health concerns as he was battling cancer, also he kind of fell on his sword for that team. It was at a time where it was clear the Mets weren't going anywhere, and he really just shouldered the burden of the losing the Mets had done over the last couple of years in 17 and 18, blamed himself and went out as a complete class act. Now it looks like he's going to be back with the franchise. But regardless, the Mets had that eight-year run where Alderson was the guy who answered all the questions, who was out front, who was the face of the front office, and they needed to find a new one. Jeff Wilpon likes to lurk in the shadows. He's not talking to the media. They needed to find someone who was going to make these decisions, who was going to work with him, and make the Mets a winner. And it came down to two candidates. Heim Bloom, who at the time was the assistant, uh, I think it was the vice president of baseball operations, if I'm not mistaken, with the Tampa Bay Rays. But he was a high executive in the Rays organization. And of course, the Rays right now are in the World Series against either the Braves or the Dodgers. As I'm recording this, that game has not been decided. As you will be listening to it, that game will be decided. Regardless, the Rays, clearly a great franchise. I talked about them last week. You can go back and find that episode. And I've been talking about them really all season. They really are a great organization, well-run, and they had a chance, the Mets did, to bring that to New York. Bloom was going to make some really tough trades for Mets fans, but he would have revamped and retooled the Mets farm system, got them in a position so that they could be sustained winners for years to come. On the other side, you had Bertie Van Wagenen, who was the fast-talking, suave sports agent who promised, we're going to win now, we're going to win in the future, win, win, win. He obviously had a relationship with the Wilpons, from his time as an agent, negotiating contracts with them and ultimately getting some of his guys signed. And he represented Jacob DeGrom and he's promising we're going to 
find a way, we find the GM to get DeGrom long-term, and we're going to win with this team. We believe that the Mets can be winners in 2019. You hire me, and that's what you're going to get. So the Wolfons had a decision to make, and they went with Brody because he was promising to win now, and that's what they wanted to hear. And this was a guy who really had no experience in this type of a role, but he put his resume out there. He talked him into it. He earned the job. And it's clear now why the Wilpons went that way as opposed to the high blue direction. Because they didn't know what their future was going to be with the Mets. But it turns out it really wasn't going to be a decade with the Mets. They were thinking we might have to sell. And so if you're thinking that you might have to sell and you might only have a couple years left before you ultimately do forfeit the team and give it up, why do you want to hear Bloom's plan for the next decade of Mets baseball when you really only care about 2019? So they brought in the guy that was promising the quick fix and basically said, hats off to you, figure it out. Find a way to make us a winner right now. And the win into the future aspect of it, hopefully you draft well. We'll just put that on the back burner. And that is what we've seen over the past two years. It all stems to that choice. The Mets could have put themselves in a position to be cutting edge, to bring in analytics with Heim Bloom, who knows that side of baseball, who knows what the best in the business are doing, and instead... They hired a sports agent who essentially sold them some fool's gold. He had empty promises. He was going to make them a winner. Oh, Jeff, you want to be part of baseball decisions? Uh, I'm in. Let's collaborate together. Let's work on this. You and me, my people, your people, we'll put it all together. We are going to do this. We're going to make the Mets winners. And that was a different Bertie Van Wagen then than I think we've seen Now, if you go back to the Bertie Van Wagenen who really puffed out his chest when he burst onto the scene as the Mets GM and he was ego-driven, he was coming off the heights of narcissism where he's the top agent at CAA. And this isn't me trying to knock Bertie Van Wagenen because I'll explain in the second half of the show that a lot of this isn't necessarily his fault. He took a job he shouldn't have. Let's just be completely honest here. He was at a point in his other career where he was at the peak of his profession, and he should have had that confidence. He should have had that bravado. But he brought it into another side of the industry where he really hadn't earned his stripes, and he simply got out ahead of himself and made comments that now I'm sure he regrets. And the most symbolic of his quotes was the one that ironically took place at Jed Lowry's press conference where that was his final move of the offseason and he thought the Mets had finally checked off all the boxes on his wish list of what they needed to do to get better and he believed they were the team that was going to win the NL East and honestly a lot of us Fell for it. We all thought that the moves for the 2019 roster were good enough that the Mets would compete 
with the Braves and the Nationals and everyone else in that division. Regardless, he said, come get us. And a couple months later, he's once again facing the media, and he said, well, they got us. Now, the Mets had a great second half, turned in a pretty respectable 2019 season where they almost made the playoffs and ended up being a really fun year, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But overall, it was a disappointment, and the Bird Event Wagon and tenure has been a disappointment, and part of that is due to the restrictions he's had with his position and him trying to work around those restrictions to make the Mets a winner. I want to get into all that in just a minute. Built Bar is back with 18 amazing flavors, including six new flavors. The Caramel Brownie Bar Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, the Lemon Almond Cheesecake Carrot Cake, and the Apple Almond Crisp. These really are protein bars that taste like candy bars, coming covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they are healthy too. Coming low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber. If you want to try Built Bar today, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your next order. Again, that's promo code Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It was either last week or the week before where I talked about John Middleton, the Phillies owner, and his comments on JT Real Muto and how he wasn't sure what the revenue was going to be and so he doesn't know how much they could spend. And it, it painted a picture like it was unlikely that Real Muto would sign with the Phillies. The reason I mention this is that is the dialogue that takes place between the owner and the GM of every franchise throughout sports. And I think I've mentioned this in passing on a couple podcasts this offseason, but there is a set budget. This isn't random. It's not, okay, go out and make your moves, right? At the end of the season, the president or the GM will look at the books and here's the money we made. This is how much we made or this is how much we lost this year. So if the Mets lost money, which they generally have reported that they lost money every year. Who knows how much we trust the Wilpons bookkeeping, but in general, considering their great debts, it would make sense that they were still losing money, and in a season like 2018, they definitely lost money. So they look at their books, they see how much money they lost, they have to write that check, figure all that out, and then they turn their focus to the next year and their next budget. And then they start doing their projections and what they think their revenues will be and what they have in the bank. And ultimately they come up with a number and that number was present to both Heimblum and Brody Van Wagenen in their GM interviews. They had to tell these candidates what their budgetary restrictions probably were going into that off season and said, look, we want to win. We think that this is a core with our starting pitching that can still be successful. We have $45 million. We are ready to reinvest into the payroll. What's your plan? How can we make this work? Brody Van Wagenen, 
basically says, I'm creative. My my team that I'm going to bring in is going to be creative, and we're going to figure out a way to bring in players to accent this roster and turn them into a contender. And so you look at all the moves they made. It was all based on the restrictions of their budget. So the infamous trade with the Mariners. Everybody talks about getting that money on Robinson Cano's contract, the long-term money that they had to swallow in that deal. But nobody talks about the fact that the Mets saved money on the Robinson Cano trade for their 2019 payroll. It is that simple. They sent out Jay Bruce. They sent out Anthony Swarzak. They did take on Diaz, who was at that point still pre-arbitration. And they took on Robinson Cano, but the Mariners kicked in money, especially on the first year that they were inheriting that contract, so that the Mets actually saved money on that trade for the one season. Now this year, that money ended up kicking in. The Cano deal ended up actually affecting their balance sheet going forward, and it will for the next couple of years. But in 2019, that did not impact the money that Brody had to spend, the money he could play with. From there, he has to make his next signings. So, Jury's Familia falls into his lap, wants to be a Met, coming off a really good year, and it was at a price point that he could afford. So, he went out and got him. From there, he's trying to decide what to do at catcher. Yasmani Grindal wants too much money. It doesn't fit into what he had allotted. So, they sign Wilson Ramos. And the thing about both the Ramos contract and the Familia contract that you may notice, both were backloaded. The first year of Familia's deal, he only made like 6.7 as opposed to the next couple years where he's making 11.7 this year and uh, for 2021. Ramos's contract also backloaded. So ultimately, he was checking boxes. Brody is a goal-oriented guy, and he went into the offseason saying, okay, I need a middle-of-the-order bat. Who can I get? Robinson Cano? That might work for this year. I need back-end relievers. Edwin Diaz? Okay, two birds with one stone. If I can include Jay Bruce and Anthony Schwartz, that two players that I don't think are good and I don't think are going to help us this year, we can offset costs and I can bring these guys in and it does not affect any money that I can spend in free agency. As I said, Familia and Ramos kind of fall into their laps. Didn't cost too much, especially the way they structured the deal. All right, we're in good shape. We got our catcher. We got two back-end relievers. We got the middle of the order bat that can play second base for us. What's next? Is there anything else we want? They end up getting Jed Lowry, and that was the worst deal of them all. But it checked off a box for him. Switch hitter, guy that could play third base, kind of take Todd Frazier's place as the starting third baseman. At least that's what it was originally promised. And again, another bat in the middle of their lineup. And that was the one signing that I almost can't really... (laughs) 
I can't figure out how he got the Wilpons to sign off on that one, to be completely honest. Because he was a redundant player. They already had Todd Frazier. They had Jeff McNeil at the time was an infielder. We didn't even know he could play outfield yet. It didn't make a ton of sense. Regardless, I remember, I think it was at the Lowry press conference where Birdie said, you know, we've added five all-stars or whatever it was because, you know, they considered Familia as a former all-star. Diaz was coming off an all-star year. Cano had been an all-star throughout his career. Lowry, I believe, was an all-star in 18 with the Athletics. And Ramos was an all-star. So they, they sold it as, you know, here are all the all-stars. Kind of in the same way that, you know, the 2016 AL Cy Young Rick Porcello was brought to the Mets this year. But you look at all of it, and those moves essentially blew up in the Mets' face over the past couple of years. They did have a successful second half in 2019 and made a really fun run, but they still lost. They still didn't make the playoffs. And since then, he's kind of been chasing his tail, Brody has, trying to put together the winner the Wilpons want. In the short term, he hasn't been told to think long term. It's always about today, and it's never been about tomorrow because of the Wilpons, their impending sale of the team, and wanting to win before they lost the Mets. So as much as we knock Brody Van Wagenen, and, and trust me, we can dive into the trades. I mean, just look at what they did at the deadline this year in a complete waste, just Bringing in Todd Frazier, Miguel Castro, and Robinson Chirinos at the last second of the deadline. Don't even get me started with that. (laughs) And maybe that'll be tomorrow's podcast. But you look at all of it, and it's all based on that notion that the Mets wanted to win now. And simply, they weren't built to win now. They, They kind of fell into a window to contend as all of these position players have really took off. And that's been great to watch. But if you were looking at the Mets in 2017, 2018, and you're an analytically driven executive like Heim Bloom, what you saw was an organization that had some assets that that should have been capitalized on. Simply, he would have traded Noah Syndergaard. He would have traded Zach Wheeler. And hell, he probably would have traded Jacob DeGrom. Mets fans wouldn't have liked it at the time, but in a couple of years when the Mets would have gone from being a bottom dweller farm system to a top five farm system in baseball, and you saw the players rise to the surface, all that talent eventually make it to the big leagues, the Mets could have been a team that looks something close to what the Braves have right now as they are either in the World Series, as I said, the game isn't over yet as I'm recording, or... We're on the verge of a World Series with Game 7 or the Dodgers or the Rays where they find a way to win and they are able to continue to supplement their Major League roster with farm system talent. Instead, the Mets have neglected it for the past few years under Brody and now they're going to have to change that moving forward. So that'll be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast locked on Mets.